John. We're back here again on the Building Equity Podcast for Real Estate Investors. I'm so grateful you're here. Again, I'm James Schlimmer, Chief Executive Officer of Equity Real Estate Services. I've been in the real estate game title insurance-wise for the past 10 years. I'm kind of a, what I like to call a real property nerd. I know how to look up properties. I know how to make sure that we can insure the transaction. And when it comes to real estate investing, a lot of folks are interested in saying, how do I not get any ghosts or goblins when I'm buying a property and something that's gonna end up costing me thousands of dollars? That's kind of my expertise. John, tell everybody why you're here. Awesome, hey James, thanks so much. Happy to be back here on the Building Equity Podcast. And today we're gonna talk about real estate investing with a self-directed IRA, 401k, Roth IRA. Really excited about this is really my area of passion as a real estate investor myself, as a representative of Equity Trust, which yep. is the nation's leading provider in self-directed IRAs and 401ks, particularly around investing in real estate. Really excited to share this information and content. Uh, I think the bet, and you tell me where you'd like to start first. Sure. Um, but I, I think what would make the most sense is to make sure that all of our viewers understand that you can use an IRA or 401k or if the, someone has a 457 or a thrift savings plan, whatever type of retirement plan they have now, they, for the most part, can move it into a self-directed IRA and they can use that to buy and sell real estate. I think a lot of folks, they, they're, they, they get overwhelmed, they get a little bit of nervous, and then you hear one person that says, oh, that's illegal, or no, you can't do that, and then they just get completely scared. But I absolutely wanna go into it because I have genuine questions just about elementary school questions about how could somebody that has, you know, a hundred grand and they want to convert over to an IRA and buy their first property with their IRA, what they should do, how they should do it. Why would they want to do it that way? But before we do that, let's talk about real estate news that folks would care about. This is stuff that's happening today. And we're recording this in February of 2022. What is some news that folks would care about? Um, you know, we've talked about inflation before and interesting news. If I get my, uh, if I get my mouse, we got mouse issues. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, hang on a minute. You want to go from the top again? <laughs> no, no I, I can cut this. Now nah, we got okay. it. We're good. Uh, okay, John. So this is an article from market watch and let's make sure we credit the author. Uh, so we do this the right way. Uh, Jacob Passy. And really what they're talking about here is that the housing market is set for a sustained softening. New home construction falters, even as builders secure more permits. And the part that I just want to reference here is he kind of boils it up here into big picture. January's drop in housing starts could reflect a number of headwinds for home builders. Uptick in COVID-19 cases due to Omicron variant bad weather likely stalled the beginning of many housing projects. Supply chain issues may have also played a factor given that some home builders are still reporting long delays for needed materials. And we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. This narrative is playing into the supply chain issues, the cost of lumber, uh, paint, washing machines, refrigerators are playing into a lot of what you're hearing on these uh, fourth quarter calls with Lennar, with Pulte, and we're seeing it here. So I do find it to be major news because I mm -hmm. think everybody in real estate investing is feeling this pinch in one form or another. And what I also find interesting about housing starts is that that was a very key indicator 
in looking at uh, what happened in 07. So if you say 07 and 08, the housing starts fell. And then what also was a really interesting indicator was the uh, length of time homes remained vacant, new home builds remained vacant. That grew. So that metric, along with the housing starts, is an interesting indicator to look at and say, hey, what's going on with the health of the overall housing market, some people say. So I know you mentioned, for instance, that it took, what did you try to get a refrigerator? It took six weeks? Nearly six weeks. For a rental. For a rental. It took six weeks for us to get a washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. And that was just Home Depot. They didn't have any. Right. You know? And, it's, and, and this is what's challenging, especially as a, as a landlord investor. You know, you have a resident who doesn't have a refrigerator. You know, they, they got to go weeks without being able to refrigerate their food. There's nothing they to do out. about it either, right? They have a cooler. We're back into 1883. Yeah. yeah, so we have to accommodate our, when things like that come up, you have to do your best to accommodate the resident, you know, whatever you have to do. You know, sometimes that means actually bringing over fresh food for them for that evening, you know, to get them through. But those are the types of things that we do as, as landlord investors. So I, I mean, I'm guaranteed we're going to have a show just about management because the management aspect and getting your systems and efficiencies down from a management standpoint mm-hmm. absolutely will increase your ROI overall if you can kind of lock in your systems there. So you're right. literally getting the phone calls. You're like, hey, my refrigerator's out. And six weeks later, which is playing into the narrative that today's news is talking about, mm-hmm. you're feeling the crunch. You know, I know they're feeling it on lumber. I know they're feeling it on paint. And it's just the reality of the real estate investing world. What I won't forget to do is mention our sponsor, though. So when we talk about real estate news you care about, it's brought to you by IRA Title Pro. I'm going to do a wonderful read here, John, just so bear with me. Are you buying or selling real estate using your IRA? I like to think many people will after they watch this episode. They will. Right? Uh, On your next real estate investment transaction, try closing with IRA Title Pro Enjoy a full-service title company that focuses exclusively on IRA real estate closings. Enjoy faster close times, on average 11 days faster. Um, An experienced closing team that understands fractional IRA investments, and I hope you can talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about it. Right? Um, Proactive communication, competitive fees. If you want to find out more, go to IRAtitlepro.com. You know, essentially a closing company that specializes in IRA real estate transactions. So let's get into it. If I have $100,000 and I want to start getting into, well, let's talk about what my options are. I could individually take that $100,000 and go buy a home in Cleveland and Mm -hmm. deed that property into James Schlimmer individually and then go to rent that out. Or I could go say, wait a second here, let me go open up an IRA and then do it. What's the difference? So the difference is there, there's two advantages to using a self-directed IRA. The, the first, this one's really easy, the ability to invest in non-stock market-based assets. So we talked about this in one of our other episodes, you know, diversification, yep. the ability to go beyond the traditional financial markets and invest in real estate with our hard-earned retirement dollars. Yep. And in my experience, most investors that, that come to me, they come to my teams, and they want to talk about how to use their IRAs to invest in real estate, it's because they either, A, went through the Great Recession, and they don't want to go through that again. They, they don't want to take a, a 40 to 50% haircut on their retirement portfolio. Which I feel like is coming, by the way, but regardless. Could potentially, right? Yep. I, don't, I can't prognosticate the, the markets, and of course, we're not here to give advice, but 
What I can say is a lot of investors who feel concerned with respect to what's happening in the financial markets, what's happening in the global economy, are looking to diversify their retirement funds beyond the traditional financial market, investing in real estate with their IRA, whether it's land, rentals, fix and flip, private lending. We talk about all that, yep. of course, in this show. But they have the ability to do that. So that's number one. Number two is you're going to find that self-directed IRAs, just an IRA, retirement plan in general, has some very unique tax advantages. Now, you'll hear me talk about this, this concept of compounding interest yep. in the absence of taxation. Okay. So <laughs> that was a little bit of a mouthful. So for our audience, what I'm talking about here is compounding interest without taxes. Right? So an IRA, and, and let, me, let me give you an example. A Roth IRA specifically. I have a husband and wife couple. They're out of St. Louis, Missouri, Kevin and Cynthia. Yep. And they came to me back in 2010-ish. And they had been investing in real estate already. And they're really starting to ramp up their real estate business. And their strategy is, for the most part, buy and hold. They're buy and hold investors. Yep. They buy houses, fix them up, and rent them out. So think traditional landlord investing. They also buy houses fix up, and then sell on owner financing. That, that's another thing we can talk about. We'll probably have a whole other show sure. all on what they call the path to home ownership. So this is really neat, James. They, they buy houses. They find buyers who are good buyers, but don't qualify for, for traditional, traditional financing. Yep. They put them in the house. They sell it on either owner financing or a lease option to purchase. Mm -hmm. And then they work with that buyer for sometimes three years to get their credit restored. And then they get to a point where they qualify for traditional financing. They can do a refinance and pay them off. And it's not even, they may not even have bad credit. I, I, I fell into this too. If you're self-employed. Correct. It's a nightmare to try to go get a traditional loan. 100%. Because a lot of times what you may be doing is your income is low for tax purposes, but you can really prove. So when you, you meet a Cindy and... Kevin and Cynthia. Kevin, Kevin and Cynthia, you meet them, they can clearly see the reality of the income that you're coming in. Correct. And it's a great deal for them, it's a great deal for you, and you're in and then you refi. Correct. Yep. So Kevin and Cynthia, 2010, they had 401ks. And their 401ks in the Great Recession, so 2007, 2008, yep. they took a 40 to 50% haircut. Now, they kept their positions where they were at, that is their individual mutual funds. They kept them where they're at. They didn't do anything. In, in the middle of the Great Recession, they did nothing. They did nothing. Yep. They were fortunate enough. Not everybody was this fortunate, but they were fortunate enough to recoup much of their losses. Yeah, obviously, how remember, old were they, right? They were, they were, at that time, they were in their mid-50s. Okay. Okay. So they were able to recover, as a lot of people were. Now, some people panicked. They sold. They took a huge haircut and they were never able to recover. Yep. But if you remember what happened is we had quantitative easing, yep. one, two, three, and so on. And a lot of the portfolios I saw at least were able to recover by around 2010 into 2011. They were fortunate enough to recover. Yep. They took their 401k money and they rolled that money over into self-directed traditional IRAs. That was their first step. Roll the money over. Now, what a lot of people ask me is they say, well, John, if I roll my money over, aren't there going to be adverse tax consequences or penalties? Yep. The answer is absolutely not. See, when you're investing in real estate, you're not taking money out as a distribution. You're not paying taxes and penalties. It's not borrowing against the account. You're actually just rolling money over into this self-directed traditional IRA. Okay, so wait, I'm employed. I'm a W-2 person. My employer gives me a 401k. 
That 401k is with one of the major financial institutions, let's just say. Mm -hmm. I hit, I get a 40% drop because the stock market tanks. Typically with these 401ks, there's 10 investment funds that you can choose. You're limited with what you can choose. So I chose what I thought made a, a lot of sense. And what you're saying is I have the ability to not do the 401k through my employer or to have that roll into how do I still get the advantage of my employer matching is my point. So what I'm suggesting here is with your 401k, with your current employer, yep. you would call them to find out if you can roll that money over to an IRA. But let's assume that it's with a previous employer. Okay. Okay. Got it. So Kevin and Cynthia, they left the companies that they were working for. They had access to that money to be able to roll over to an IRA. Now, sure. what you will learn about is if you're still actively working for a company and you have a 401k or maybe you work for a nonprofit like a hospital or a state entity and you get what's called a 403b, federal government employees get what's called a thrift savings plan, a TSP. Okay. It's like a 401k equivalent of for federal government employees. Needless to say, once you leave that employer, you're then eligible to roll your money over. While you're still working there, you may be able to roll it over. You'd have to call your plan administrator and ask for what's called an in-service withdrawal. That's the terminology for all of our viewers to write down, in-service withdrawal. In-service withdrawal. In-service withdrawal, very important. In other words, this in-service withdrawal will unlock your 401k. It'll unlock the 401k to allow you to roll it over. But let's assume that you've left the employer, which Kevin and Cynthia did. Okay. Rolled their money over into traditional IRAs. Now, what's important for everyone to understand is that most retirement dollars out there, like about 80%, are in what are called tax-deferred accounts. What that means is when you're putting money into that 401k, like Kevin and Cynthia, they were getting tax deductions for it. So it feels really good in the year in which you make the contribution, yep. right? Because you get a tax deduction. And I'm excited about our episode where we have a CPA coming mm -hmm. in, a CPA and accountant coming in, because I'd love to get his take on this too. But a lot of people like that advantage of being able to put money in and getting a deduction for sure. it. And you get what's called tax deferred growth. So as you're investing in real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever, you don't pay income taxes. You don't pay taxes on your gains in each incremental year. You don't pay taxes until you take that money out after the qualified retirement age of 59 and a half. So for all of our viewers out there, write that down, 59 and a half, that's the qualified retirement age. What that means is you can start taking money out of your retirement plan and using it for your own benefit without a 10% premature withdrawal penalty. Okay. So you gotta wait till you're 59 and a half. So and what I love about this episode here is we purposely not talked about any of this stuff because we wanted to be able to do this on the air because I have genuine questions. So. Cynthia and Kevin and Cynthia, Kevin and Cynthia, right? Here's my question. Roll over to their IRA. Yes. Tax deferred. You say tax deferred. Okay. They're still, but up to a certain amount, which is $6,000 a year. So you can only contribute so much to a traditional IRA. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So uh, think traditional IRA, think tax deferred that is gonna be compatible with most of your 401ks and your 403bs and your thrift savings plans because those are all tax deferred accounts. So what you have to do, the natural progression is 401k or 403b or 457 or thrift savings plan, roll over to a like account, which yep. is a traditional IRA. Got it. Now, yes, there are contribution limits. 
you can only contribute in 2022, you can only contribute up to $6,000 when you're under the age of 50, up to 7,000 when you're 50 and over to an IRA, but a 401k, James, you can contribute a lot more money. Sure. You could potentially contribute- Like 19 grand, right? 20 grand. Yeah, right now it's it's just about $20,000 when you're under the age of 50. When you're 50 and over, you can contribute up to 27,000 and then you can get a company match. And oh, by the way, I'm getting a little ahead of my skis here, but if you're self-employed, you can open up a 401k for your own self-employed practice. It's called a solo 401k. It's an incredible tool that we can talk about. And it's not that, so back to the IRA, it's not that you can't put more than the 6,000. It's just that up to 6,000 could be tax. That's your out-of-pocket contribution. Okay. So here's the deal. It's not all about how much we contribute every year. Now, I encourage investors to max out their contributions on an annual basis because, see, James, these tax-free dollars are incredibly powerful. Remember, yep. I, I mentioned compounding interest in the absence of taxation. Yep. So these tax-free dollars will create more tax-free dollars and then more tax-free dollars. So back to Kevin and Cynthia, they moved their money over into traditional IRAs. They had about 100000 Yep. And then what they said at that time is, hey, we know that if we keep this money in these traditional IRAs and go out and invest in real estate and make considerable returns, we're eventually going to have to pay taxes when we take the money out. We're going to have to pay taxes on the harvest. Yep. And they didn't want to pay taxes on the harvest because they were looking into the future. They weren't thinking tax deductions now. They were thinking tax-free growth into the future, not only for them, but also for their children and grandchildren to come. And so they did what's called a Roth conversion. So this is a pro tip for everybody. Okay, write this down. Roth conversion. What is this? This is where you convert money from a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. In other words, you get the taxes out of the way in the seed, so you don't have to pay it in the much larger crop. Okay. Now, they had about $100,000 back in 2010. Rollover, converted it to Roth IRAs. Yep. They had an account for each of them. At that time, their effective tax rate was about 35%. The reason why I'm saying this is because 35 cents on every dollar that they converted was taxable, which means they had a pretty hefty tax bill in that year, which was about $35,000. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking, well, that sounds crazy to pay $35,000 in taxes to get the money into this Roth IRA environment. But here's the reason why. Over the course of the last 12 years, they have bought and sold over 20 properties. They still to this day have 14 cash flowing properties, cash flowing assets, I should say, in their Roth IRAs. They grew their portfolio in their Roth IRAs from 100,000 to over a million dollars in properties. And they have $130,000 in net operating cash flow coming into their Roth IRAs every single year. So James, this is in their Roth IRA. This is important for everybody to take away. This is a pro tip. Roth IRA generating $130,000 every single year, tax-free. They are over the age of 59 and a half now. So conceivably, they can take a distribution every single year, $130,000, and they pay 0% tax. It's never added to their 1040. It never hits a Schedule E. They don't have to worry about tax returns. It's all tax-free in their Roth IRAs. And by the way, they did all of this without taking on a single cent of debt. All of these properties are owned free and clear in their Roth IRAs, and they got $130,000 in tax-free cash flow coming in every year. But when I asked Kevin and Cynthia, I said, what are you doing with this $130,000? Now, they're from St. Louis, I'm from Cleveland, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, they're probably looking to buy a secondary residence in a warmer climate. Uh, you know, Maybe they're using it for whatever other types of purposes. 
You know, maybe they bought a boat or, a, you know, a third house or whatever. Live the good life. Live the good life, yeah. right? Whatever people want to do. And what I was, what was so interesting is when I asked them this question, they said, John, and they said this very passionately, John, we don't plan on taking a single dime from these Roth IRAs. We want to leave it to our children. And if our children have children, we're going to leave it to our grandchildren. Because what you'll learn about self-directed IRAs, they're not only powerful because of diversification and because of the tax advantage benefits for our retirement, but from a legacy planning perspective, incredibly powerful. Because here's what Kevin and Cynthia get to do. Afforded to them by the federal government. This is all in the United States tax code. Yep. So you can go to 4975 of the tax code, go to Title 26. This is all rooted in factual. You can go to the tax code. It's real. We can point people in that direction. We're not talking about anything that's illegal here. And so they have the ability to leave these Roth IRAs, avoid probate. That's very important. That's I, know, huge. I know you know a ton about probate yep, ba- being in the title business. The IRA avoids probate. That Roth IRA will be left, their Roth IRAs, I should say, plural, will be left to their grandchildren, let's say. And it's 100% tax-free to the grandchildren. Mm. Now, you will learn that they'll have 10 years to use this money. There was what was called the SECURE Act. Nobody knows about it, really. It was passed. It was one of the biggest pieces of, ret- of retirement legislation in this country. And it just blew past everybody. No one paid attention to it. Yep. That's for another episode. At any rate, they have 10, the children or grandchildren have 10 years to use that Roth IRA as is. And then they got to take everything out. But remember, it's tax-free. When they take that money out, they pay 0% tax. Talk about this elementary school for this brand new investor or intermediate investor. If with a traditional IRA, right, I'm putting in money before tax. Before tax. Up to a contribution amount. Yes. Right? And that contribution amount is 6,000 bucks or something like that, right, per year. So that's pre-taxed money that's going into this traditional. With a Roth, it's after-tax money. After-tax. Which is why what you're saying is the amazing tax benefits of the Roth, when you can get into it, and this backdoor approach, which you're going to talk about, is now you're buying properties with your Roth IRA, and you're selling them. You're avoiding capital gains, which is huge. Right. Within itself. And you can continue doing this over and over and over and over. And now you, you talk about the compounding effect of those tax dollars that normally right. would be going to the IRS. At the end of the game, you could have been able to acquire two, three, four more properties just on tax dollars. That's correct. Here's another example for people to understand this. It's not just owning physical real estate. Now, we have plenty of investors at Equity Trust, and I've worked with hundreds of investors that buy rental properties with their self-directed Roth IRAs. And they have a lot of success with that. Mm -hmm. Kevin and Cynthia are are great examples of that, as I mentioned. But there's also the paper side of the business. And I had mentioned in one of our first episodes about how my wife and I, we're landlord investors. We own properties in and outside of our IRAs. And then with our uninvested cash in our IRAs, when we have the opportunity, we make loans to real estate flippers. These are short-term loans. Yep. Think six-month to 12-month term loans. So it's not like we're making a 10 or 15 or 30 year fixed mortgage. That's not what we do. We loan to investors and it's short term. So what we're doing is we're able to increase the velocity of our money. That's an important financial principle, especially for those that are brand new to the real estate business is understanding how to turn your money over 
as quickly as possible, which is going to increase your compounding returns. And better yet, as we talk about self-directed IRAs, we eliminate the variable of taxation, so our compounding returns become even more magnified. So here's the example. Uh, in 2018, I made a series of private loans yep. over the course of about 12 months. Okay. And the first loan I made 6% on, the second loan I made 8%, the third loan I made 8%. These were all back-to-back -back transactions. So I made a loan to a rehabber. He paid me back in about three months. I made 6%. Four days later, I deployed my money back out. So it was a basically back-to-back -back closing. He bought another property. And I didn't own real estate. I wasn't involved in the rehab. I was simply the bank. I was simply making a loan, and I had a first lien position on that property. Yep. So I had a promissory note, and I had a mortgage. The mortgage was filed with the county recorder. We can talk about that in another episode. Yep. That was the asset of my IRA. Now, over the course of about 12 months, with this same basket of funds, I made about a 20% return on investment. And the overall income, it was around $12,000 in actual profit. Was it three? You did three loans over Three a year. loans back to back. About the first 12, one was 000. six, second one was seven. Uh, 8%. Eight, so you're 14. And then. The third one was 8%. So 22%. Yes. In a yes. year. Yes. Your money made. Yeah. And, and now the profit. So this is where we get into the tax advantages. So it's about $12,000 in profit. What a lot of people don't recognize is interest income. Yep is taxable at your ordinary income tax rate. Ooh. So if you have a W-2 job, so my wife and I, we work in corporate America, we have W-2 jobs. Yep. So we're paying approximately, when you look at, I'm in the state of Ohio, state and federal, you factor in local taxes, we're at about 30 cents on every dollar. I was gonna say 30 30 cents change. on every dollar. Yep. See, a lot of people don't think about that. They have savings accounts, for example, and they're generating interest. Well, guess what? That bank reports that interest income and you have to claim it. Right, you get a 1099, you have to report that interest income, and you pay taxes at your ordinary income tax rate. It works the same way when you make a loan, that's interest income. Now, it's passive income, so you don't have to worry about self-employment taxes sure. like Medicare and Social Security, but I have to worry about ordinary income tax. And so could you imagine, I had $12,000 in profit. If I did those investments with my non-IRA dollars, my taxable bucket, let's say. That's yeah, $3,600. Correct. Yeah. I'd be paying over $3,000 in taxes. Instead, I preserve that entire $12,000. Sure. So think about it. What can I do with that extra $3,000 and some change that I, that I was able to preserve because of the tax savings? I can roll that into more investments. So I have more investing power for the future. And these are in Roth IRAs. And so there are a lot of people out there, by the way, James, that are huge naysayers about using Roth IRAs because you don't get a tax deduction when you make your contributions. But my argument is if my returns are significant enough. Yeah, you're, you're, you're winning on the other end. Exactly. Yeah. Mathematically, we can prove that the Roth IRA is more beneficial. All of that being said, let me be respectful of the traditional IRA because I don't, I don't want to beat up on the traditional IRA. There can be a lot of benefits to tax deferred growth. But for the real estate investors that I work with, like Kevin and Cynthia, they took a $100,000 tax-deferred account, converted it over to the Roth, and then over the last 12 years, they grew that $100,000 to over a million dollars in properties in cash. So mathematically, yeah, it, just makes it so made much a sense. lot more sense because yeah. they, would end up, they would have ended up paying or will end up paying had they not converted a lot more in taxes on the fruit, right, 
compared to what they paid taxes on the seed. They paid $35,000 in taxes in 2010. Yep. They have over well over a million dollars in properties in cash. Imagine if they took $100,000 out every year from a tax-deferred account instead of a Roth for, let's say, 10 years and had a 20% effective tax rate in each year. 20% of 100000 is 20000 times 10 years is what? $200,000. Yep. They would have paid $200,000 in taxes instead of 35000 <laughs> So everybody that's listening to this, the beauty is they can just rewind and go back and do it right. until it makes sense, right? The... The really fascinating part that whether Jason in the back makes a makes a mark on this, it's important to understand. It's like, all right, do I want to go through the process of opening the IRA? In my opinion, you do for everything you just said, because the alternative is you're going to go buy a property because you want to invest. I want to be an investor. It's a hot thing right now. I want to fix and flip. I got to I mean, it's just I want to be a billionaire. I got a, a private jet. Right. But you're either going to how are you going to set yourself up to do it the correct way? Your options are either individually. So that's you as a human being. James Schlimmer is going to go buy this property for 100K and then I'm going to sell it. And cap gains right now is 22% somewhere in there. 15%, 20% for higher income earners. Okay, right. So you're going to, if I sell it and I have profit of $10,000, it's 1500 bucks in taxes right there. Well, and it's not just that, James. If you're, if you're fixing and flipping real estate, you have short-term capital gains tax, right? Yep. So now there's another very, there's, there's something else that we would eventually talk about with self-directed IRAs in terms of flipping real estate, where y you can't start running your IRA like a business, okay? So you can't all of a sudden turn around and start doing all of your flips in your IRA, okay? But I have a lot of investors, they'll do maybe one or two flips a year in their IRAs. Another great example, a good investor friend of mine, Candace, she's from Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm at. Okay. And give you one example, she bought a foreclosure with her self-directed IRA. Uh, this was just a couple years ago. Uh, and she put about $30,000 worth of work into it. She was all in the deal, purchase and rehab, around 100,000. Again, it was a foreclosure. She sold the property and she made a $38,000 profit. After all closing costs, she made a $38,000 profit. Okay. Now, had she done that investment outside of her IRA, she would have paid about 30 cents on every dollar in the form of short-term capital gains tax because that would have been their ordinary income tax rate. So it's short -term. $11,400 Correct. on her. Yep. Exactly. $11,400. So if we look at that from a yield perspective, a return on investment perspective, her return on investment would have been more like 22% in some change compared to 38% in her IRA. So we could also say mathematically that by investing in real estate with a self-directed IRA, we can increase our yield comparatively to a taxable environment. And if we can increase our yield, rule of 72, we can get to our retirement goals in a shorter period of time. Sure. That's why I'm so excited about this, this building equity concept that you have, James, because you know what we talk about, what I'm passionate about, is helping people get to their financial goals and their retirement goals in a shorter period of time. And that's what compounding interest in the absence of taxation does. I mentioned rule of 72. So if, that, if, if anybody's like, what is the rule of 72? The rule of 72, James. I'm writing it down. Is it, it tells us how many years it takes to double our money. Okay. Okay. So here's how you do the math. You take 72 and you divide it by your, return, your annual return on investment, okay? Your annual yield. So in Candace's example, let's say applying the rule of 72, 
she did the flip without her IRA, which she would be at a, let's call it 22%. Okay. Factoring in taxes. So let's do the math. We got 72 divided by 22. All right, what's the math on that for everyone at home? 327. 72 divided by 22 is 3.27. 3.27. So what that means is that every 3.77 years, our money will be doubled. If we continue to make a 22% yield every year, every 3.77 years, we'll have doubled our money. Now, let's do the same math with the IRA, which is what she did. So let's do the math. 72 divided by 38%. 72 divided by 38 gives us 1.89. So our money doubles every 1.89 years. So we're, we're doubling our money, right? Nearly at a much, the, almost half the time. Right, much yeah. more rapid pace. This is just mathematically another way to explain compounding interest in the absence of taxation. But what this really means for people is getting to their retirement goals in a shorter period of time. And I know I've said that a few times. Let me give you an example. Uh, two other investors, a couple, their names are Scott and Christine. They're from Rochester, New York. Yep. And they came to, to one of our seminars. This is about 12 years ago now. And I sat down with them over dinner, just like we're talking about here. And we talked about their long-term plans. I, I like to talk to people about what do they want to do 10, 15, 20 years from now? You know, we're, we're, yes, we want to talk about execution this year, but let's talk about 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Who do you want to leave your retirement accounts to? All that type of stuff. And so Scott and Christine said, all right, our goal is to get to our, this is 10 years ago now, okay? Our goal is to, in 15 years, sell our primary residence in Rochester, New York. We're going to purchase an RV. We're going to pack up the RV. I love these people already. And we're going to spend the rest of our retirement years as we can, okay, in the RV, traveling, going to national parks, visiting family, and we're going to manage our real estate business all remotely from our RV. Mm. And so his goal was fix and flip, some buy and holds. He did land, some land contract transactions, some rent-to-own transactions. He's done a lot in real estate. And then long, long term, they want to just loan money secured by real estate. So they, they built up a big enough nest egg to where they can get rid of their physical real estate and focus solely on passive investing through paper. And 10 years ago, they said 15 years. And they called me about a year ago and they said, John, we're ready to go. They put their house up for sale and they were packing up the RV. And I said, wait a second, you told me 15 years. They were able to get to that retirement goal five years shy of their initial projection because what they weren't factoring in mathematically on their spreadsheets yep. is that all of the investments that they were doing with their Roth IRAs, they weren't paying taxes on. So they got to their retirement goals five years shy because they were really embracing and they were really taking a lot of action yep. on growing their Roth IRAs. See, I love what, what I love about what we're doing here and you're bringing just facts and I love the, there is no quick fix it still took them 10 years and they were smart and they did it the right way. And they used that money that would normally go to the IRS and they were able to compound that into other investments. But it still took 10 years, which is a very short period of time in this thing called life, right? Whereas 
I feel like everything in the market, social media, the news is get rich quick, you know, just over leverage yourself and go out there and you're going to be a billionaire and all this stuff. And it's like, no, that is the model to follow. 10 years and they did it way quicker. They planned for 15. Absolutely. You know, and James, I'm glad you brought that up because the reality is, is the folks that taught me real estate that are individuals that are in their 60s and 70s now. Now they're doing things that are a little different than what they were doing when they were more active. Yep. They're, most of these folks are now in the paper side of the real estate business. So they're making loans to the folks that wanna go out and hustle and find deals and flip houses and do those types of things. Yep. And I'm glad that you brought up this whole notion of, you know, there's a lot of content out there around how to get rich quick, um, how to do no money down deals. I'm even hearing some, some companies, you know, these big seminar companies and such, they're telling people that, you know, go quit their job. That's not what I tell people. Don't quit your job because it's what crazy. happens if you go quit your job? Then you don't have any W-2 income. You, you can't get a loan. You can't get a loan. Yeah. You know, keep your W-2 job. Even if you hate it, keep it I so feel, that you can go out and get financing and buy more properties. I feel like it's clickbait. It's got to be clickbait right now. Like people are attracted to, I could do all this with no money. And yes, there are angles for you to go. And we're going to do a whole show about how you can literally do it. How does it work? How do you get the title company to agree to do the closing if you're not bringing any money to the table, right? Right. right. So we can talk about that. I want to make sure because we're going to wrap up here. Um, I think we could do three, four, five episodes on this because we didn't even get to what I think is the cool stuff, which I know you just talked about them doing the, the loans. Right. Right. And you know what, James, for anybody out there that's saying, you know, I want more. So the self-directed IRA and the concepts we're talking about is going to apply to just about everything we talk about in real estate. Okay. So certainly as we go through more episodes, yep. there will be more info and content on self-directed IRAs for people to learn about. Touch on this though. So you go and you open up the account, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned some of these folks are, hey, they're, they did some remodel work and stuff. There's rules on how you pay people, like the IRA is paying folks. Correct. Right, and if you're, the income that comes in isn't coming to James Schlimmer individually, they're paying the IRA. Can you talk a little bit about that stuff? Absolutely, so example, I own a duplex in my self-directed IRA. Okay. It's in Cleveland, Ohio, I bought it for $63,000. Unit A is renting for 750, unit B is renting for 750. All right, this is in a working class neighborhood. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting- 63,000 cash, by the I'm way, gonna cash I'm gonna get granular on this. When he says, when John says, I own it in my IRA, I think we take for granted what that means. That means when you literally went and bought that property, it was deeded into your IRA. Not, correct, not me. Not John not Bowen. Not LLC, my IRA. Correct. So my equity trust retirement plan. My yep. equity trust is my custodian. Okay. All right owns the property. Now I'm in full control. I make all the decisions because yep. I get to make all the decisions for my own retirement plan. Remember this it's is a self-directed IRA. There you go. And self-directed. And so now all my income flows back. And so the 750 from each tenant goes back into the IRA every single month. And then all my expenses, taxes, insurance, electric repairs, bills. exactly. Water, sewer, everything is paid for from the IRA. So I have checks going out to pay for those expenses. And we could certainly talk about, you know, equity trust as a custodian, all the tools and functionality we have. We provide people with what's called an expense pass system. It's a prepaid card. 
So there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of technology yep. that allows people to manage their properties in their IRA in a very systematic way. And here's one of the things that I think a lot of people are gonna be interested in. What do I have to do around tax time? So my wife and I just filed our tax returns and nowhere on those tax returns did it ask me to claim the income that's flowing into that IRA because it's a tax exempt account. I don't have to file a Schedule E. There's no special tax returns. I own the property free and clear with my IRA. There's no debt on it. Yep. Okay. Bought it in cash. It's, it's renting out. All that cash flow is going back into the IRA exempt from taxes. Awesome, awesome episode. I mean, this right here, I, and I feel like it's just the tip of the iceberg. The goal here is beginner, intermediate, real estate investor, you should seriously consider the benefits of an IRA to buy and sell your real estate, hold it for the long term for the tax advantages, compound, compounding effect, and, and not only just the buying and selling real estate, but the loaning of money using your IRA for other people to be able to buy and sell real estate in the right. path to home ownership, as you mentioned. Yeah, and James, you know, before we conclude, I think it's important to mention that you know everybody. You mentioned beginner to in, intermediate. We might have people that have never done a deal on this, okay. on this episode. We might have people that have done a lot of deals. The reality is, is with a self-directed IRA, that could be your first investment that you ever do. The first real estate deal that I ever did was a private loan to a rehabber. See, I didn't feel comfortable at that time to go out and buy real estate on my own. Yep. My lifestyle at the time, it would have been very difficult for me to manage real estate at that time. And so my entry into real estate investing was actually making a loan to a rehabber. And I used my self-directed retirement money to do that. First transaction I ever did. It was actually a guy down in Tampa, Florida. I made a $23,000 loan on a house he bought for about $50,000. He rehabbed it and sold it. And I got my money back plus interest. And he had money that was at a much more affordable rate than what he would get from a local hard money lender. Yep. And I was able to close fast within 24 to 48 hours for him. So he was happy. Awesome. And I was happy. And so that was the first investment I ever did. What that allowed me to do is get some experience and confidence as an investor, right? And he took me along that project and he was willing, and not every borrower is going to be willing to do this, but you know, if you shop around and you talk to enough investors and network with enough people, you go to your local real estate investor clubs, you're going to meet people and they're going to be willing to help you and take you through a transaction. So he actually took me through how he rehabbed this house and took me through how he found the deal. And that helped me gain some experience and confidence with respect to how I can go out and do the same things. You got to crawl before you can run. Exactly. I love that approach, man. That's, that's what we're doing here. Um, listen, we're going to wrap up here. But before we do, we got to talk about this day in real estate history. And when we talk about this day, real estate investing history, it's brought to you by Equity Trust. Pretty sure you've heard of them, right, John? I have. Unleash your inner real estate mogul. Discover your potential as an investor by maximizing the power and possibilities of buying and selling real estate with your retirement account. We just did a whole show on it, right? U.S. News calls in the top seven IRA accounts for 2022. Investopedia says best overall self-directed IRA company with $34 billion in assets under custody. Start the conversation today at trustetc.com. And all the reasons why you'd want to do it, just rewind. And we, we kind of touch on it here. But if I can come over here real quick, I believe history repeats itself. So we're really going back to October 26, 1929 here, John. This is the evening star out of Washington, D.C. And what I love about this, I just Why is that date important, James? Well, because really right here, 
is if you think about the uh, Great Depression, the stock market crash, we are on the Saturday. So it kind of hit on Thursday. Mm -hmm. It hit on Friday and then it hit Monday, Tuesday. So we're kind of in the middle here. And you have an amazing section here just about the benefits of homeowning, what's going on with building permits. And what I like about this is just look at this nice house right here. Where's it at? Right here. For 10,950, this Chevy Chase in Chevy Chase, DC. Beautiful home. I'm not saying there's anything substantive in here that's gonna make a real estate investor. You might still be able to buy that same house for 10,000. We don't know. <laughs> it's possible. You never know. But I just love looking at the newspaper knowing this is what's happening right here. It's the start of the Great Depression. And they're talking about, oh, amazing article right here too. The importance of real estate brokers being licensed is what they were talking about in 1929. Go figure, right? Yeah. So Wholesaling, right? We'll awesome, talk about that. Awesome show today. Thank you, John. Please subscribe to our channel. Please make sure you're listening to the podcast. We've got some amazing episodes coming up where we're bringing professionals and experts. The goal here on Building Equity is to help real estate investors, beginner, intermediate, make some money, right? Let's go. Let's do it. Thank you, John. Appreciate it.